KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Jim Melwert. So I got on a briefing with Harvard epidemiologist Michael Minna. I was there because I'd heard Minna on a podcast that I listened to a lot called This Week in Virology. And he talked about testing and how we as a country view testing and basically how we're doing it wrong. And so I was really excited when I saw that he had a briefing. I'd been trying to get an interview with him for a while. And what he says is that if we looked at testing instead of as a way to diagnose people who have COVID-19 and instead used it as a public health tool for surveillance of the entire population, we could slow the spread of the coronavirus, basically save potentially billions, maybe even trillions of dollars, and also be able to put off the need for a vaccine for years down the road. Really interesting guy. I was really glad to have some time with him. Here's Dr. Minna. The status right now we have for this entire, the entirety of this epidemic, we keep, we keep trying to take diagnostic tests and use them for public health surveillance. But diagnostic tests are, are limited. They're, they are necessarily limited. They have to be extremely high quality, their precision and accuracy for what they're trying to get at. They need to be able to, um, they're usually run in diagnostic laboratories because of that. Uh, so that means they literally have to get bottlenecked and funneled through doorways <laughs> to, to get into a lab, literally. We're starting to see distributed um, types of tests like Quidel and Abbott now and, and uh, BD and a few others. And these are helping, but none of these are public. These aren't helping at the level of public health. They are helping to just create more diagnostic tools uh, but what I'm proposing is, as a way to use testing to our advantage is a way not to just keep diagnosing people because diagnosing people doesn't do much for public health good to actually stop the outbreak in the same way that we know that uh, would anyone care if we could give you a vaccine that worked for two days? Would we be running to get it? No, we would understand that a, that a vaccine that only works for two days is not a useful vaccine. Uh, we would want a vaccine that works for a year or 10 years, and that would be a useful vaccine. And so we keep trying to use these diagnostic tools that just tell us about what's going on, you know, once every, in somebody's life, once every couple of months when they maybe get tested. And it's doing nothing to stop transmission chains. Uh, and in fact, I would say that PCR, as the, as the uh, using it as a diagnostic tool, not only tells us it offers very little for for breaking transmission chains, but it actually is putting us down the wrong road because PCR remains positive long after somebody has been infected with the virus and transmitting the virus. It's why the CDC comes out and says, you don't necessarily need a negative result to come out of quarantine after you've been positive, just wait 10 days. Because if most people wait until they're actually negative on a PCR test, it could be weeks or months before they turn negative, but we recognize that they're not a danger to society after about 10 days because their transmissible period is done and they just have RNA that's residing in their, in their nasopharynx. In the same way that people's DNA is in their hair, if you find somebody's piece of hair, it doesn't mean the person is in front of you. It's just their piece of hair. That's the same thing that's happening here. And so what I think we need to do is change the target. We need to not use PCR positivity status as our public health metric, 
Because what it means is that we're contact tracing millions of people who don't need to be contact traced because they were actually infectious weeks ago. We're also quarantining millions of Americans uh, for 10 or 14 days who are no, who haven't been transmitting for weeks by the time they got their, their result. And this isn't even taking into account the fact that result times are so delayed. So what I would like to see happen as it is to start using testing out of the diagnostic realm and as a true public health tool to break transmission chains in the same way that we know that masks can serve to decrease transmission. I want to use tests to decrease transmission. And the way to do that is to use cheap tests that are highly accurate to detect somebody at the moment they're transmitting, but maybe don't, but they don't look accurate because we're comparing them against PCR positivity, which stays positive for so long after transmission. So I want these tests that that will tell somebody that they're transmitting at the time that they're transmitting and people can act on it because they're getting immediate results. And I want them to take it every single day or every other day. And these can exist. There can be $1 a day tests. The government needs, we need a project warp speed for these tests. And the reason is we have put so much effort into vaccines and therapeutics and billions of dollars. We've put trillions of dollars into stimulus for the country. We have a workable solution today that if the federal government actually said, we will put billions of dollars or a billion dollars into really pushing the technology for $1 paper strip tests that can be printed in the millions, uh, which they can be, and get them get a package of 50 in everybody, every American's hands uh, over the next month, or not even every American. It could just be in Texas and Arizona and Florida right now, because those are the states that are seeding infections to, to other states. So really take all of this as a big public health um, umbrella approach. And if we can do that, if we can get a test that everyone wakes up, just like they put in their contact lenses, they, they take a test, they, uh, and if it turns positive, they stay home and they take a test the next day and they stay home until the test turns negative or, or for some set number of days, maybe seven days. And, th- and that's it. That alone, if everyone's doing it uh, or even just a majority of people are doing it, then it will stop the vast majority of transmission and it will cause these outbreaks to disappear in a matter of weeks. We don't have to wait for a vaccine when we, we can essentially think of these as development of artificial herd immunity. We know that we don't have to get 100% vaccinated to stop transmission of this virus. We just need around 50 or 60%. The same thing goes here. But because they are tests that are giving people information about themselves, the holdup is that they're, they're defined as diagnostic tests. And as diagnostic tests, if you're comparing them against PCR, they're going to look bad. And the FDA is not going to necessarily approve them for at-home use. What I'm calling for is that there is a national movement to get these no longer defined as a diagnostic test, but a public health tool in the same way that masks are public health tools, that checking somebody's fever is a public health tool. It's a screening mechanism for, for breaking transmission chains. And if we can get it outside of going through the CMS pipeline that puts them into the FDA and they become Uh, overseen, for example, by CDC. Maybe CDC comes out with some certification program for the tests. 
to say this is a good test, this is not a good test for this use. Uh, we, we could truly build that up. And, and if the federal government would create a project warp speed surrounding this effort, we don't need a vaccine tomorrow. We could buy ourselves potentially years of time before we need a vaccine. For, for one-tenth of the recent stimulus, we could get uh, one of these tests in everybody's uh, hand every single day for months or a year or so. And, uh, and that would stop transmission. doesn't need to be 100%. It just needs to be out to a lot of people. And so, I, you know, there's regulatory reasons why these aren't out yet. And it's all surrounding just red tape. But we're allowing red tape in this archaic view of what defines of we, we don't in this country have we have so defunded and, and underappreciated public health for so many years that we literally don't have a recognition of of the fact that there could be a test whose main goal is public health and not clinical medicine. Everything is wrapped up in insurance reimbursements and FDA regulations as diagnostics that we don't, there's just, it, it takes a whole rethinking of what a test that somebody might use looks like and how it's defined. And in this case, I want it defined as a public health tool that a State Department of Public Health or the CDC can, uh, can push forward and say, this is our, this is just like a vaccine, how we're going to deal with this epidemic and if we could do that, we could potentially have or greatly reduce or maybe by 90 or 95 percent reduce transmission in this country in the next few weeks if everyone could have one of these tests tomorrow. Of course, that's not at the moment possible, but it could be if the federal government treated this with the same urgency that they're treating a vaccine, which may or may not even work. You know, it frustrates me to no end when I talk to I've talked to senators, I've talked to people close to the White House, I've talked to congressmen, I've talked to heads of states of many other countries, and everyone says, why aren't you doing this already? My answer is literally that it is illegal to, to do this right now. I mean, it's insane that, that this is something that could stop outbreaks and, and epidemics as a public health tool, and there is no clear path to legally introduce these tests without the companies making them getting shut down because they're being viewed as a diagnostic and, and because they're being viewed as a diagnostic using fairly archaic um, metrics to what uh, is the approval metric to achieve. It, it is really, uh, it's a problem. And, you know, it pains me to, to say that we have a tool that the federal government could build that companies alone could build if needed, but I don't think this should all fall on three person companies or 10 person companies. But it's illegal. You know, it's crazy. It's illegal to save lives right now. <laughs> it's, and it's simplifying it a little bit, but that's pretty much the message. FDA has shown little willingness or interest to move. And, and I can't tell. I think what's happening is FDA truly doesn't. I want to get this out of FDA's domain altogether. They are not an, an entity that is um, charged even with, uh, with evaluating public health tools. They're charged with evaluating diagnostic tools. So until we can get this redesignated as a public health tool, uh, in some ways I've been a little bit unfair to the FDA because I'm asking them to change their view. And, uh, you know, it's like asking a, a physician to take the, to, to treat patients with the mindset of the public health alone. And this is a constant tension that exists in medicine and public health. And it's not always, uh, there's, they're not always completely in line. And so I think where we need to start is we need to have 
I think, frankly, it needs to be something at the CMS level where CMS decides that there's a different pathway that these can be not under CMS and CLIA regulations, and then they don't have to go to FDA. Uh, the other option, which I think really needs to happen, is Jared Kushner and, and, and the, the White House administration uh, are aware of these. And I think that, 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 that it needs to be a, a potentially a, a process that's promoted at that level to really change the course of, of this epidemic. And, um, but otherwise, I think we're, we're just kind of stuck in this limbo where there's, nobody really feels um, that this is their problem, that these tests fall under their jurisdiction. And that's what's just uh, infuriating. The tests exist, but truly some of the companies that I'm talking to are three-person companies. And the fact that we are putting, that we're even talking about a, a product that could potentially change the course of this pandemic, that we're talking about a company that's comprised of three people is ridiculous. Um, we should be... The, the government should be recognizing the potential for these tools as a core technology and should be enlisting the full might of the NIH in the same way that the NIH has the Vaccine Research Center. We need, uh, you know, and they should be pushing on the, the major manufacturers, whether it's diagnostic manufacturers or companies like 3M, who, and I know 3M is potentially working on it, but they got a measly $500,000 from the government. That should have been a $5 billion investment from the government to ensure that 3M can produce these tests at scale. And, uh, and so the question shouldn't be, where are we at and what can we do? The question should be, where can we be in three weeks if the government right now put $2 billion into it? And, and that's what, what I would like to answer. And if, and if you ask me that, I would say, if the government right now put a billion or $2 billion into um, even just getting out of any of the individual companies, but just bringing these companies together, bringing the best minds in the country uh, or the world together to sit in a room for a month and figure out the optimal test, get structural biologists, get whoever needs to be there to figure out how to make these tests as optimal as, po as possible uh, and then just start producing them. And the reason why it's doable is because unlike a vaccine, this isn't a tough technology to build. We're pretty much there. We have workable, workable tools, but we could optimize them even more and start and get the cost per test down even more. If it wasn't a three-person company, but it was a, a massive company that has economy of scale, you could maybe build these tests at a reagent cost of 50 cents a piece and, or less. I mean, I, I think that they can get down to pennies in reality when we think of the true material cost. And so... Uh, if they're being produced in the tens or hundreds of millions, then then everything changes. Product could exist right now, and, and it's and a lot of people are wasting time trying to figure out how in the heck are they going to get instant coffee to be as good as an espresso while keeping the price uh, reasonable for every American use every day, and while uh, you know while still trying to meet all the boxes. And it's just they're diff they're different things, and so. Uh, until the regulatory landscape changes, though, these companies have no reason to try to bring a product to market uh, if it's not going to fulfill what the FDA is asking for. And so there, a lot of them are just kind of sitting on it. They're trying to spend more time and more money to better and better optimize the tests, which might take months, uh, so that they can meet 
the FDA approval. And my fear is that what will come out of it at the end of those months is a test that does meet FDA approval, but that's too expensive and too complicated to scale and to use for everyone. And so uh, in some ways, the FDA, the, the current landscape is bottlenecking these companies that could have a cheap test today uh, into producing a more expensive Nespresso machine when, you know, because they can't actually legally use the, the instant coffee. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Jim Melwert. We'll have another episode out soon.